Well, good morning once again. My name is Pastor Nathan McKendry. I'm the associate pastor here at First Baptist Watauga. I'm filling in this morning for our senior pastor, Dennis Hester, who is on, uh, dare I say, much-deserved uh, vacation this week. And so hopefully he has uh, had some rest, uh, him and his wife. Now he's actually getting the opportunity to hang out with his brother and his wife as well. And so hopefully he is rested and and ready to uh, to take uh, back up the baton when I hand it to him as soon as he comes in uh, in a couple of days. Um, but if you're new with us, I want to share with you something uh, about me that those of you who are not new probably already know. Uh, I was having a conversation with my wife uh, just yesterday. In fact, she was asking me what I wanted for my birthday. It's coming up. And, and as I listed off a handful of things, she very gently and lovingly responded to me that I am a total nerd. Um, she's right. Uh, she, she is absolutely right. I, I love uh, the superhero things. I grew up reading comic books. I had one particular Christmas where my dad just got me nothing but comic books, but which was a great Christmas for me. That was wonderful. Um, and so I grew up playing video games, comic books, and uh, watching all of those Marvel and DC movies that just keep coming, whether you like it or not, all of those, I've seen them, um, uh, or at least most of them. And recently I was watching uh, one of the newer ones that uh, that came out. It's called Shazam. There's all kinds of names for, for superheroes now, and that's one, Shazam. Uh, it's a fun word. But he, uh, there's a sequel, and I was watching it the other day, and he spends the movie finding the bad guys, as a superhero is prone to do. At the end of the movie, he's talking to the guy who gave him superpowers, and he's looking for his name. And it's kind of a weird subplot, because he's trying to figure out in the second movie what his superhero name is. We as an audience are like, it's on the poster. Like, it says your name, big letters right below it, Zachary Levi, right? Like, we see, what do you mean you don't? But he's, that, that was just a weird little subplot in the whole movie. And he's looking for his name. And it's interesting to me, none of the ones he comes up with, he likes very much. And so he has to go seeking the one who gave him his powers to give him his name. And I, I just thought that was interesting because I was watching that movie when I was also studying our passage for the week, uh, throughout the week, and thinking about, names because we we care pretty deeply about names sometimes and especially the ones that are given to us they have a tendency to mean more than the ones that we make for ourselves um if you think about nicknames for instance uh, sometimes in school we were allowed to pick our own nicknames the teacher would do that that is not how socializing with peers ever worked right you can't pick your own nickname but but the teachers would give us that little slot your name something fun about you and your nickname and that's like the wonderful moment where I can be like, my nickname is Mr. Super Awesome, Popular, and Cool Guy, you know. But my peers would not call me that, right? They'd make up their own nicknames. And so if you think about how we receive names when we're children, no child ever comes out of the womb. Ah, I'm Dave. It's weird. That doesn't happen. You know, we give children names, right? And so names that are given to us usually mean far more to us. Uh, than the ones that we, we come up with ourselves. And that's, that's one of the things we're going to see in the passage this morning is that the people, the main characters in our passage, try to make their own name. They try to make one for themselves. In the process, they're going to deny the one who created them, the one who's got that answer, who's got the answer to the question, what's my name? And, and so it, it's a really interesting passage uh, this morning. It's a very familiar passage, but we're going to look at it, and I, I think a new way, a new light. Um, it's the story of the Tower of Babel. And so if you've been 
with us. We've been going through this series. You can see it on our on our banners, and God willing, that banner right there will behave this morning. Um, we're, we've been going through this early uh, chapters of Genesis, the study in the beginning, and we're actually getting close to the end. I don't know if you knew that, but uh, last week we talked about life, uh, the, the life of Noah after the flood in one really weird story. Um, and Dennis got to preach that, and I was grateful. Um, and next week, in the weeks coming, we're going to talk about Abram, who you know is Father Abraham, right? And so we're getting to some familiar passages. Uh, today's passage, the, the story of the Tower of Babel in Genesis 11, and it's a, it's kind of a classic. It's the one that usually makes the cut in the children's Bibles. You know, when they, the Bible's rated R, and to make children's Bibles, you have to cut out some stuff. I don't know if you knew that. So they, you, this is one that usually makes the cut. And it's early on, and, and this one is, we decided is not rated R. Um, last week's was rated R, right? Do we understand this? See, you understand. You understand. Okay. So in, in the process, we're going to talk about some of the names that they try to make for themselves, the mistakes they make. Um, but if you would turn with me to Genesis, Genesis 11, verses 1 through 9, we're going to read it together. <clears throat> the text says this, the whole earth had the same language and vocabulary. As people migrated from the east, they found a valley in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to each other, <clears throat> come, let's make oven-fired bricks. See, they used brick for stone and asphalt for mortar. And they said, come, let's build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the sky. Let's make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered throughout the earth. And then the Lord came down to look over the city and the tower that the humans were building. The Lord said, if they have begun to do this as one people, all having the same language, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let's go down there and confuse their language so that they will not understand one another's speech. So from there, the Lord scattered them throughout the earth and they stopped building the city. Therefore, it is called Babylon, for there the Lord confused the language of the whole earth. And from there, the Lord scattered them throughout the earth. All right. <clears throat> well, let's tackle what I think we usually think the problem in those passages, and especially if you grew up reading those children's stories. Uh, sometimes we get the wrong idea in this passage, and there's two points of confusion. The first one um, is this idea that we think man's trying to be God in this passage. And, and why that is, is because we think, okay, they're, they're building a big tower, and whereas you heard me say the sky— you're in the Christian standard this morning, you see sky. Some of you probably see heavens as your translation. And that's okay, that's, that's the Hebrew word is actually heavens. The Hebrews would have understood heaven quite differently from us. We hear heaven, we think place where God lives, right? So we think, oh, they're building a tower to heaven. They're trying to get to God all on their own. Well, that's not necessarily what they're thinking. They're thinking the sky. They're thinking we're gonna build a tower and everyone's gonna see it. We're going to make a name for ourselves. We're going to be awesome. They're not, they're not really thinking about God. That's part of the problem, right? They, they've kind of ignored God, and they're just trying to build a tower. That It doesn't help that we are going to see God's reaction to it later, and that's going to confuse us too, and we'll talk more about that when we get to it. But you have to understand that the Hebrew understanding of, of heaven here, of, of paradise, didn't involve what we think of it as. And so they're trying to build a tower in the sky, build a monument. This is a, an attempt to make a humanistic, massive accomplishment, right? They want all the credit for this. The real problem, though, is in verse 4. Verse 4 says, And they said, Come, let's build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the sky. 
Let's make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered throughout the earth. The real problem is right there because that is a direct violation of God's command. Lest we be scattered across the earth. Well, if you remember in Genesis 1, 28, God says after creating Adam and Eve, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. <coughs> in Genesis 9, 1, after he destroys everyone on the earth, except for Noah and his descendants. He gives some new commands, but he gives an old one. He says, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. And then he kind of changes the rules a little bit. And then in verse seven, he comes back in Genesis nine and he says, be fruitful, multiply, and spread out over the earth and multiply on it. Different, but not really, right? He's told us three times, spread out over the earth. And what do we see in verse four? We see, let's make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we might be scattered across the earth. Isn't that silly? That's direct disobedience. That's the real problem in this passage, direct disobedience. See, the verse in verse four, we see this fear. See, they understood God's will, and when they were confronted with God's will, they were afraid. You ever been confronted with God's will and we're afraid by it? Most of us uh, Christians, we, we try to spend our whole life trying to understand and chase God's will. If I could just figure out God's will, what God wants for me in this moment, in this a situation, then then I'll do it and everything will be okay. And then we find out God's will and we think, I don't actually like that. Um, and usually what we do at that point is we just pretend we have not heard God, right? You ever do that? You're like, I'm gonna find God's will for my life. That's probably God's will for my life. I don't like that, so I'm gonna keep asking around until somebody else tells me what I want to hear and that is what I will call God's will for my life, right? That is rebellion, against God's will because we are afraid of what it actually is. It is a very human problem. And there's, that's, that's the big real problem in this passage. There's a couple other problems I want to talk about as well, though. Another problem, men valued their own projects more than God's commands, right? They, they were afraid of God's will, so they did something about it. They made their own will. They made their own project. They started focusing on building their own kingdom. They made bricks, They've got technology now. They're like, we'll invent stuff. We'll make bricks and we'll use them and we'll work hard. These aren't, these aren't lazy people. They've worked hard together building this city, this, this tower. I don't know how long it takes to build a tower. I played with Legos a few times and that usually took too long for, for me to have the patience for. Uh, I can't imagine building a real one with actual bricks. I had to build a fence a few weeks ago and that was miserable. I did not like that, you know, so they're working hard, but they're focused on building their own kingdom instead of following the divine command that was laid out to them to spread out over the kingdom, right? God's like, I've given you this whole world. It's a gift. It's a blessing. Here, have it, spread out. And they're like, we want our own. What, what do you mean you want your, I want to build my own? Well, that's silly, right? And ultimately, they want to make their own name for themselves. They want to assign their own purpose for their life instead of accepting the one that's been given to them. And here's what happens. Making our own name leads to confusion. You'll, you'll see in verse nine, therefore it is called Babylon because they stopped. They got confused. Now that word is Babylon. Some of your translations will say Babel, right? Thus, again, all the children's stories will say Babel because that's the one we've grown up knowing. It's Babel or Babylon. Both of them come from that same Hebrew word that sounds like the word for confusion. So ironically, this is one of those rare moments in scripture where we see a Hebrew word come out sounding an awful lot like what we understand the English word to mean, Babel, 
right? Someone's babbling like a maniac. You're hearing confusion. You're hearing chaos. That's kind of what we see here. And that's what happens when we try to make a name for ourselves. It leads to confusion. It leads to chaos. See, the truth is we're not suited for building our own kingdoms. We are not suited for crafting our own purposes without the guidance of the one who made us. You ever heard that song, Jesus Take the Wheel? I'm sure you have. You live in Texas. All right, Jesus Take the Wheel, Carrie Underwood. And I love that song growing up, but now when I listen to it, I'm thinking to myself, Jesus Take the Wheel. There's a problem there. If you're saying Jesus Take the Wheel, you have admitted that Jesus does not currently have the wheel, right? We see the problem, okay? So Jesus should never have to take the wheel. Jesus should never be told not to take the wheel. I think we need to rewrite that song. Matthew, get on this. Jesus, don't let me take the wheel, right? Would that roll off the tongue as well? He, he may disagree. I know, but do you see what I'm saying there? That's, that's a big problem is we should never have the wheel, right? God's guided us. God's given us purpose and direction. We're not the ones uh, who should be taking the wheel. But that's, that's what these people are trying to do. They're trying to resist against the purpose that they've been given. Uh, think about it a few other ways. Can a watch, a watch, can it decide that it has a better purpose than to tell time? What about a lamp? Can a lamp decide, hey, I want to do something other than light the room. I call that a broken lamp and I throw it away, right? What about a calculator? Would it be better if instead of giving me the answer to a complicated problem, it should instead spout out poetry to me? You know, what's 146 multiplied by 37? Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou Romeo? I, that'd be ridiculous. Why is the calculator spouting poetry? No, right? So why is it that we think as humans created by God could ever know our purpose better than our God knows it? We resist it all the time, though. The truth is God's purposes are better than our ambitions. God's purposes are always better than our ambitions. He's always an understanding of us way, way more than, than we do. I mean, you think of uh, doctors. You ever been to a, a doctor? In the process of going to a doctor, maybe you get sick and you go to a doctor. That is admitting, by the way, that you don't know something about your body that the doctor might know, right? We see that? That makes sense, right? There's all times like that where we admit that there's something we don't know that he does, right? See, God's purposes are better than ambitions because God knows us. He knows us better. There's another problem in verse six that, that relates to this idea. Another problem, verse six says this, the Lord said, this is when the Lord comes and looks down at the tower. This must've been a wonderful moment. The Lord said, if they have begun to do this as one people, all having the same language, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. And here's our other point of confusion, because we hear that and we think, oh yeah, nothing's impossible for them, then those darn humans will get to heaven, they'll overthrow God's throne, and they'll be like God, they'll be God. That's bad. God is not concerned for himself in this passage, I promise you that. That's, that's, that's about as silly as a four-year-old child looking at her mother and saying, no, I'm the mom, right? Like, what? Yeah. A, a fun mother might go, okay, you take the bills and you, you change your own diaper now, kid. You know, like, it'd be so silly for a child to ever look at their parents and say, I'm the parent now. No, no, that's ridiculous. See, the truth is that there are things that should be impossible for us. We don't like that because we're 
Americans and we work hard and we don't want things to be impossible for us, right? The Bible verses we love are the ones that say things aren't impossible for us with God, but that's in parentheses. Show that to the side, right? We want things to be possible, but the truth is, and when we look at that word impossible, another a synonym, another translation for it is inaccessible because there are things that should be inaccessible. And you know that. Can you think of a time when you had knowledge you wish you didn't have? Knowledge that hurt you? Knowledge that made your life worse? Or when you had access to something which was bad for you? We can think of uh, <clears throat> alcoholics should not have access to alcohol if they want to get better. Correct? You can agree on that? Uh, parents, if you want your kid not to look at porn, you'll probably limit their internet connection, right? At least if you want to succeed in that front, you'll limit that. We have child safety locks around this whole concept of limiting access that we're not ready for. Uh, lived in my house for over a year now, and, and when I moved in, when I first moved in, uh, we bought the house from a, a couple who's church members here, and they moved off to Mississippi, but they had this granddaughter that was just precious. They love their granddaughter, okay? Some of you are nodding your heads. You know who I'm talking about. They love their granddaughter, right? And around the house, I don't know if you knew this, but around the house, they had like plates covering a lot of the electrical sockets, right? Little child safety. So that way their granddaughter couldn't run around and like stuff coins or forks or stuff into the outlets. Now that's not very helpful for me. I'm like, how do I get this darn thing off of there so I can use the outlet, right? Because I, I need access to that, but she did not. It was good for her not to have access to it. So we understand that there are simply things that we don't know better. And that's why I brought up the, that idea of a doctor's visit earlier, this idea that there's, we tend to think in our culture, this is a a weird little lie that's sifted its way out there that we are the experts on ourselves. We are not the experts on ourselves. There's plenty of things you don't understand about your body, about who you are. There's plenty of things you don't understand about your identity and your purpose. But the truth is the one who made you knows all of that. See, God knows what's best for us better than we do. And the sooner we can figure that out, the healthier, the better we will be. God knows what's best for us better than we do. <clears throat> so as a reminder, we have the real problem that the humans tried to make their own purpose, their own name, their own kingdom, instead of obeying God's command for their life. So what was the solution? God confuses their languages and scatters them. Now, in modern days, we read this passage and we think all people, one language, working together. At the part where they're working together on something, I'm, I'm like doing a double take. You tell me once upon a time there were humans that were all working together? Really? That's amazing. They're not bickering over elephants and donkeys and stuff. They're, they're working on one big tower. That's, that is some tower. You know, that's amazing. And we get confused then when God, ironically, we get confused when God comes in and messes that up. We're like, God, they're working together on something. And God's like, they're not working on what I told them to work on, right? They're working on something that's meaningless. They're doing it selfishly. And God knows that if you succeed in this, there's a whole bunch of other stuff that you'll succeed in and none of it's in my will. None of it. 
I need you to be scattered. And so God confuses their language. He scatters them across the earth. And what does that mean? That means all of a sudden they're in God's will again. Think about it. Fill the earth. Fill the earth. We don't want to be scattered across the earth. Okay, I will scatter you. Scattered. And then all of a sudden they're exactly where they're supposed to be. See, when God redirects them back into his will, this is, this is an act of grace. This is like, instead of saying, Jesus, take the wheel, Jesus just reaches over and yanks it from you, right? There are times in your life when you need that, I promise, where you need to just let him yank it back in without you having asked. That is an act of grace. This is like a parent. I keep using children imagery today. I don't know why. It, they're like children, so it's, it's just easy uh, to think that way. But if you can think, a parent might try to teach a child something like the stove is hot, okay? And you may tell them and tell them and tell them, but eventually you may just let them touch the stove. Ow, cold water. Now I know the stove is hot, right? A good parent will not, listen parents, a good parent will not let their child run out into traffic so they learn the lesson not to run out into traffic, right? That's where the lesson ends. I don't care about what you learn here. I'm grabbing you and yanking you back to me. And that might hurt. That might shock them. They might be infuriated by that. What are you doing? I know where the car is. I can make it there. But you've saved them. <coughs> it's an act of grace. See, the truth is sometimes God messes up our plans when they are outside of his will. And that is grace. That is divine grace. And it's because he loves us that he corrects us. I want you to think of one more uh, image this time a, a sandcastle being built uh, on a beach, but a little too close to the water. If you've watched children uh, build sandcastles, you might tell them, hey, don't build quite too close because you see the waves, right? What comes up and back, up and back. You might say, don't build it right there. The waves will get it. <clears throat> it's going to be really hard to build. Build back up here. But I want you to think of that sandcastle being built. You ever knocked one down? I just looked up and I saw Betty Strap. I am. I have, I've knocked one down. I've knocked a few down. You know, like, <laughs> can you imagine? Have you ever seen a child's face? You knock down their sandcastle. That picture and image. This this one's really easy for me to relate to. A, a young girl building a sandcastle on the beach and her older brother coming and knocking it down. Right. I know that feeling. It's joy. But the 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 face, the face of that girl. Right. Is just. Fury. It's amazing how angry a child can get over a sandcastle. It's just a sandcastle. Like, it's okay. You're still going to eat today, kid. But the sandcastle got knocked down, right? But you can imagine there, it's somewhat an act of grace if that sandcastle gets knocked down. So you can, well, now I can at least build in the right spot. You know, I can start over. It's because of God's love for us that sometimes he walks over and knocks down our sandcastles. He knocks down our kingdoms, the things that we work so hard on. And again, we work hard. We work really, really hard. We build these bricks. We think of all of these creative ways to do things better. We work hard on our lives. We work hard on the purposes, the names for ourselves, the kingdoms that we make. And sometimes if God comes in and knocks that down, it's because he loves you very, very much. And he wants you to work on his kingdom, the one that won't fall, the one that's better than a sandcastle, the one that's on a foundation, right? So I want you to know that 
If God has given you a command, a purpose, an identity, do not run from it. Don't fear it. Don't rebel against it, but embrace it. We want to embrace God's will. And when we leave that will, we want to embrace God's corrections. That's what this passage is about. It's about a massive act of disobedience and God just comes in and fixes it. Isn't that amazing? Think about the last time that humans had been disobedient on the earth before this passage. Crazy amounts of disobedience wipe you all out with the flood. Massive death. We restart. Oh, look at that. You're being disobedient again. How about I just put you where you need to go? (laughs) Isn't that a wonderful act of grace? So today we're going to offer an invitation. I'm going to invite Matthew back up and you're going to get a chance to respond if the Lord is speaking you to you this morning. <clears throat> but I want you to think about those, those kingdoms you're working so hard on. We all have those kingdoms that we work. We are, we're just designed that way. We're designed to build kingdom, right? And the truth is we, we take all of these bricks in our lives, skills and talents and gifts, and we get hard to work at building our little kingdoms. The problem is we are meant for building a kingdom. We're not meant for building our own kingdoms. We are meant for a name. We're not meant to make our own name, right? You do have an identity and a purpose in life. You're not the answer to that question though. You can't come up with that. And so the trick, the the art of living a Christian life is really learning to sacrifice this kingdom and take those bricks, that rubble, and bring it over to God and let him build his kingdom through you. You've been listening to a Sunday morning message from our services here at First Baptist Watauga. Our family's mission is to exalt the Savior, equip the saints, and evangelize the lost. If you want to know more about First Baptist Watauga or need to reach out to us for prayer, go to fbcwatauga.org and let us know. In all things, to God be the glory, honor, and praise.